Inside Out. I am really excited to have you guys back here tuning into my newest episode, episode 40. Now, before I dive into this chat, I just wanted to share something with you. I'm going to change things up a little bit on the potty and just give you guys my personal lesson for the week. So every week I'm going to draw on my experience, what I've what I've learned over that week and something that I can give you guys to take away into your next week. So this week I have learned to let go um, of what's not serving you. So not putting my energy, my time, my heart into something that was starting to consume the space in my mind. Um, I won't go into details, but I think that everyone can draw on their own experiences there where you're overthinking and overanalyzing and you're spent investing your time and energy into something that doesn't necessarily serve you well. If it's not healing or helping you expand or grow, then it is not serving you well. So just letting go of that and using your tools from your personal mental health toolkit. And if you don't have one, then let me know because I can help a gal out um, and draw on those. Use those to help let you go, let go of whatever is no longer serving you, but you are allowing to consume your time with. Now, I do want to share a beautiful review that was left on the Apple um, podcast app. So last week, a lovely lady, Kate, it has Kate 4Cs345. So this is you, Kate. Shout out to you. Thank you so much. And she wrote, I only just found this podcast last week and have listened to so many apps already. So many gold nuggets of easily implementable info for my day-to-day life. Thanks so much for sharing so much valuable health info. So shout out to you, Kate. Thank you so, so much for leaving this review. I seriously appreciate it so much. If you do enjoy the following episode, I would be so grateful if you could please take the time to leave a quick review on the podcast app. This will really help me support more women, more mums who need to hear these conversations. All right, back to today's episode. Episode 40 is shared with my beautiful friend, Jessica Lang. Jess and I have been friends for over 20 years, which makes me feel super duper old, but we've been friends since primary school um, and shared a lot of life's similar experiences. We are both mums now. And in this chat, we talk all things babies, boobs, Botox, breastfeeding, you name it, and we're chatting on it. So this is a really, really good conversation, and I hope that you guys enjoy it. Jess is such a laugh when I'm with her, and I really, really enjoy chatting with her. Um, This chat might not be for little ears, so if you do have school-aged children who might get the gist of what we're talking about, and this sort of thing isn't a conversation that you're ready to have with them yet, that's totally okay. Um, You may just want to pop your headphones in. And also, guys, please be patient with us. We do have three babies with us while we're trying to record. So what should have taken 40 odd minutes took three hours, but it was actually a lot of fun. All right, let's do it. Jess, thanks so much for joining me today on the podcast. I'm actually really stoked to have you on here. We've known each other for like 20 years, which makes me feel so freaking old, but have bonded over many things like the Kardashians and of course, Botox and babies. Spray tans. Spray tans. Oh my God, I'd forgotten about that. (laughs) I remember coming to your house, I think like at Greenpoint and your wardrobe was like Kim Kardashians and I just was like, what is this girl? (laughs) Literally um, those orange tans and we'd be like, Mm. another layer. 
<laughs> one more. <laughs> See, fads change. Now I'm like, why was I orange all of like 2012? Oh my goodness. And like the plucking of the eyebrows as well. My <gasps> skinny eyebrows. Oh no, I'm all about the thick eyebrow now. We were such a good time back then. Oh my gosh. I remember we got in trouble once for sneaking out of your house and like my mum thought that I was staying at someone else's house, but I was at your house and I wasn't allowed to go to Jess Lang's house because she gets in trouble. Bad influence. <laughs> Anyway, before we go down like memory lane, Jess, for those that don't know you, can you give us a little bit of a snapshot of you and your life right now? Yeah, so I've just, well, I say I've just had a baby, but she's 12 months old, a year old. um, So just newly into motherhood and going through all of that and just uh, finished my breastfeeding journey. Uh, going back to work four days a week now, so working mum, um, and I work uh, for a plastic surgeon, so I've been there for 11 years next month, so over a decade, and yeah, I love it. That's amazing, and you are definitely someone that has, for me, I've really noticed how much you radiate confidence, and you've definitely, like, you, you own who you are, you live authentically, you are passionate, and live what seems like really in alignment with, with who you are and what you want. Um and for as long as I can remember, you've always advocated for loving yourself. And if you don't, you can change it, which is where plastic surgery and all those sorts of things. And there are procedures that will change th- those parts of yourself um, if you're not necessarily happy with where you're at. So can you talk to us a little bit, bit about your journey with making some changes to your own identity? So I think um, when you talk about uh, me always being confident, I think, you know, at the time, like when I look back at photos, you know, from back in the day, I think, oh, you know, look at my brows, look at my tan. But back then, that's what we loved and that's what looked good. So I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not embarrassed mm. by it. So I've always just been living my best life thinking that, yeah, the snooky tan back in the day <laughs> was a good look. You were definitely someone that was always on trend. You always mm. were like following the trends and you were the first person to buy the new thing or whatever. It was it was good because I always, I think I always looked up to you. You were in the year above me. So I was always copying. <laughs> so cute. Um, I think... Um, with making changes to yourself in any kind of way it has to be for the right reasons it has to be for yourself and not because you want to impress someone else or because you know someone's told you you look a certain way and Mm. that's why you want to do it it should be because you want to improve something it's like uh, renovating a house so you know some people go through their whole life in the same house and they don't renovate it and that's fine for them. But mm. constantly people are upgrading houses, renovating houses and you only have one body. So if there's something that you don't like about it, your body's your vessel for your one life. So change it. If you didn't like your car, you would get a new one. Or, you know, post-pregnancy, I, I look at it as... Well, look at it like a renovation, to be yeah. honest. Putting things back together or improving <laughs> them. Yeah, I love that. And for me, things like Botox and lip fillers weren't something other than – like I don't feel like I was really exposed to those things. Um, so for me, naturally, I w- didn't really lean into those until later in life wanting them and feeling like that was something that I did want to change in myself. Um, but in my early 20s slash late teens – the closest thing that I knew about it was on TV. It was on the Kardashians mm, and mm. things like that. But I know that it was something that you were exposed to quite early because of the practice that you started working in. Mm. Can you share what what was your experience like when you first started 
you know, making changes to yourself? I think like any job you that you're exposed to something, you do it. So if mm. you're working at a hairdresser, you have a different, you know, you yes. have a different colour hair every week. You're doing these crazy hairstyles. If mm. you're working at a tattoo parlour, you're getting tattoos. And so I think I was exposed to it. Um, no one at the age of 18 needs anything. Mm. No, no one needs anything, really. You don't need to get your hair dyed. You don't need to get your hair, you know, your nails done. But we do things to make us feel good. Mm. Um, uh, Botox is a preventative for aging so I mean I did try it um I think I was early 20s when I tried uh Botox and Mm. then lip filler a little bit earlier on Mm. but I eased into it and only did it to just try it at the start Mm. um now you know 10 11 years on I definitely feel like I need it (laughs) (laughs) after a baby (laughs) um so yeah I think I was just um exposed to it that way Mm. uh and like I said it's a preventative so you know uh if you don't have people think oh you need it if you've got lines but sometimes you can just prevent the lines um coming with Botox and your fillers. Is there any major reason behind why other than like for aesthetics why young girls when they can't if they were coming into you guys why you would want them not to get it? Um, so yeah, if they weren't doing it for the right reasons, obviously have to be over a certain age. Um, you know, we're very humble with, you know, we have to sometimes put people on filler bands and stuff and be like, no, you've had enough. Um, but yeah, no, we'd just be making sure they've done it for the right reasons. And we uh, always urge on the um, side of caution so you know if they just want to experience it only giving them a small amount just to see how they react and how they like it because you know you are changing your you know face Mm. and muscles and things um but no no real we wouldn't yeah basically red flags if they were not doing it for the right reasons or because someone else did it and that's the reason they wanted to do it so Mm. yeah it's good that you guys have that almost mental screening process because I think there's so many places um you know like injectable clinics and things that don't have that process and you've got young girls that are fresh 18 and they're going and spending a couple hundred bucks and more and then they get those big you know lips that we're seeing and everyone's people come in and they're like I only want a small amount in my lips and I'm like don't worry those girls that you're seeing are going back every three months or sooner and getting an extra meal an extra meal they've got five meals in their lips and that's why it looks like a sausage I'm like and each to their own if that's your look go for it but I think then people get scared that that's what they're going to get like after one injection it's like not the case and these young girls it's so negative for their self-worth and their body image and it's like body dysmorphia like they're going to hit an age eventually or when they have children and look back and reflect on their younger selves and be like what Mm. was I thinking why Mm. did I invest so much time and energy into aesthetically pleasing everybody else Mm. that's Jazzy in the background everyone she is here with us my babies thankfully went to sleep because they would be much louder than her soft little voice chatting away away. Um, but yeah like I just think you know it's really important to be having the conversation and I love that your clinic does that with girls Mm. yeah really important and you know we have that based around even surgery you know if people are coming in and they're wanting you know to be the biggest size in implants and they haven't had kids and Mm. you know you want to still exercise you know we always urge on the side of precaution if you 
um, you know, want to come in and have 600cc implants, we probably aren't the practice for you. Mm, I like that. Um, I know when I first got Botox, I've had it once and I've had my lips done twice years ago now, like this is before kids. And I know that I felt a lot of shame and judgment from, I suppose, the older generation nor people in my life. Um, and But I did also from some really close friends at my like similar age groups as well. Did you feel, have you ever felt that shame and judgment from people? And, and how did you go with objective handling those moments in your life? Because this is something that, you know, you is, is a big part of you now and you've worked for this clinic that does align with those sorts of things like and procedures and I don't know, I really struggled with it. How did you go with that? So I uh, did struggle with it a little bit at first because I had my lips done before the whole Kylie Jenner and, you mm. know, and so back then it was like, oh, what are you doing? You don't need that. You're so young. Why are you putting that in your face from that older generation? Um, but then I think our generation and the younger generations, it's just totally normalised mm. now because of the, the Kylie Jenners and people being more open about, you know, injecting or surgery they've had. I mean, back in the Marilyn Monroe days she's she had I think I have to google it but I think she had something like 11 procedures done but back in her day they just would never talk about it you know she had her um, forehead lines changed wow. to make her forehead bigger all these or smaller I'll have to google but you look at the photos of Norma Jean versus Marilyn Monroe and it was all swept under the rug like we don't talk about what we do you know and I think in our generation we're just more open with talking about what we get done and mm. I think that it's just become more normalised. Like we still get older women coming in um, and they don't, you know, paying cash or whatever because they don't want the husbands knowing oh even goodness. though they've been having it for however many years. <laughs> their husbands just think they're getting younger with age. Yeah, you yeah. know what's funny? Their hubbies probably actually do know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're just like, I'll just let them have yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. But even my grandma's era it was like, oh, no, just a face cream, you know, um, <laughs> just a good face cream. So I think at the start, um, yeah, I did get a bit of that from that older generation. But at the end of the day, I, I think it's your own body and then do what makes you happy. Mm, I definitely agree with that. I know with my stepdaughters, um, the eldest of the two recently brought up the topic, like, do you get Botox? And I haven't had it for years. So I was like, no, babe, why? And she's like, oh, I've just seen it on on TikTok and I don't want – like, I just think that you shouldn't do that. And I was like, why – why do you feel that way? And she's like, I just watched a video and it said that you shouldn't do that. That was as far as it went. But it got me thinking like, well, when I do decide to have Botox and get my lips done again for my own personal self-love and because I want it and I care about aesthetics essentially – how am I going to have that conversation with her if that does come up because I don't lie to the girls and I don't want to lie to her. Mm. I don't want her thinking that's the way to beauty that you have to change mm. it. Mm. But I also want her to know that I'm honest with her and that these are my decisions as an adult mm. woman. Mm. So, it's yeah, it's definitely thought-provoking at the moment, that process, um, mm. because I definitely want it again. I'm I needing think, it. And I think the good thing about Botox and filler is they don't last forever, you know. Mm. Um, so, you know, you can if – you, if you do get something done and you don't like it, 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 it goes away. Like, mm. some, like the, the bigger lips we're in and now smaller lips are in, so it's forever changing. And I think um, – 
yeah, I mean, people go and get their eyebrows tattooed. I mean, have you had your eyebrows? Yeah, my eyebrows are tattooed yeah. on actually. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I did that though because they were uneven and it used to drive me mm. mad because when mm. I'd fill, like, fill them in, they would be noticeably uneven and it used to drive me nuts doing my makeup. So I invested in that years ago before it was as popular as mm. it is now and I love them mm. and I strongly encourage anyone mm. to do it that's thinking about it. I do need them touched up again actually. They've got like – they're a bit red. Um, but, yeah, I really, really liked them and it's, it was an interesting process as well because like having conversations with people being like, are you – like what's mm. wrong with your eyebrows? Mm. Why are they different? Why are they mm. so dark? And I'd feel like I was – having to introduce people mm. to the idea of this mm. and then especially the older generation they're like tattooing what? your face yeah why did you tattoo on your yeah. face yeah. you shouldn't do that right right i'm like well i've done it man and, yeah. i work it's my money i'm gonna spend it how i want and i want to do this so yeah so now that i'm a mum people say you know would you let your daughter have anything done obviously i think my daughter's perfect and she doesn't need anything but if the time came and you know she did come to me and she had some concerns about something it's definitely something that I would support her through, um, you know, and make sure it's safe and she goes to the right place uh, and, you know, it's all, all done properly but it's not something I'd be like, you're not doing that or I would try and hide that I had done it. I think mm. then, you know, you, you lose that trust and then they end up going behind your back and, you know, doing mm. things and, um, you know, I... I said to my mum, I don't know if you remember back in the day when we were in school and everyone was piercing their own faces and their own ears and everything. And I was like, mum, I want my tongue pierced. And she's like, well, I don't want you to do it, but I've seen your friend just got hers pierced in the toilet. So I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> like all the girls were piercing each other in the bathrooms. And mum's like, I really don't want you to do this. But at the end of the day, if you're going to do it anyway, I'd rather take you to a proper place and know it's all sterile and you're not going to get infection. And, and, mm. you know, and then I, and I had it and then it was a novelty and I ended up taking it out. But had she said no, I probably would have been in the bathroom, you know, doing it. So I think... I think it's all... Well, it's not the same as, but it's quite similar to like having a conversation about sex to your children. I know that um, on Instagram, I saw this week, Sophie Pierce from Beyond the Bump podcast was saying how her three-year-old wanted to know where babies came from. And she went through the conversation of egg and sperm and, mm. you know, this and that. And she's like, I want to see a photo of sex. <laughs> <laughs> but like, then because Sophie was like, well, I really want to make sure that I'm not creating this stigma of shame surrounding this mm. conversation mm. so when they ask i'm gonna answer mm. along with botox lip fillers breast implants any any things that come up like you know i do intend on doing something to my boobs as i, mm. I mentioned um mm. earlier this week on instagram since stopping breastfeeding they've completely mm. changed again mm. and i'm unhappy with my chest so i'm mm. going to change it and i have intention of that <laughs> a little reno <laughs> but like when my kids ask, I really do want to be honest with them. I and you breastfed your babies, hundred percent. And even if I didn't, I mm. still want that conversation yeah. to be as honest yeah. and upfront. And I think it's it sort of you know ties in with the other. You don't want to create this stigma mm -hmm. for them as they're growing up that no, they don't have to do it right now. But when they are at a legal age, if these are choices that they want to make. Mm -hmm then there's not going to be that shame and embarrassment for them and they can always come to you with this stuff. I think that's important. So I definitely agree with that, what you just said. Yeah. Just digressing a little bit into motherhood. Yes. You have your beautiful daughter, Jasmine, with your husband, Dax. Mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit about your experience with birthing, Jazzy? Yeah, so I highly recommend going to the um, birthing uh, – did you do classes? No, I didn't, <clears throat> no. 
Honestly, I felt like I was prepared. Well, when we ever prepared, really. <laughs> but I feel like it, it was good to go. Like, you know, it's all basic stuff. But mm. even for the partners, just for them to get a bit of an idea going mm. into it, what to expect, um, you know, w- with her heart rate dropping through the birth and all of those kind of things, I would have been freaking out if I hadn't had, yeah. like, this could happen, this might happen, don't stress if this happens. Mm. Um, reassurance, you know, before. We, we were really late with going to ours. I think we went... A month before my due date. Some people do it earlier on, but I found found going a month before. It was refreshing my mind, mm. so it, it did really help. And you know, they talk about all the options with you, and they they go over all the pain relief and everything with you. Um, mm. And then I kind of didn't go in with a set plan. I just wanted us both to be healthy and make it through it. Um, and so. Yeah, we, yeah. we got through it six, <laughs> 16 hours oh, later. Out. They just can't explain what labor's going to be like. No one can ever prepare you for no. it, I don't think. Because Steve has two daughters, as you know, and most people listening will know as well, my two stepdaughters. I felt like well, we had the conversation about classes early and he's like, well, no, because I've done it. Like, I sort of know like what's going to happen. Mm. And, mm. You know, and I was like comfortable with the yeah. idea of that Steve already sort of mm. knew what happens in birth and pregnancy and things. So mm-hmm. we decided not to um, spend the money on it. However, I honestly regretted it because things like the ring of fire i knew nothing about i did not know what was happening i thought someone had a lighter on my vagina mm. and i had no and she's like that's the, just the ring of fire it's okay i'm like what do you mean mm. what is happening mm. to my body right now yeah. so stuff like that that yeah. sort of came up the placenta um there was a lot of different things that happened that i wasn't mentally prepared for mm. um so i definitely think mm. that that would be a good idea too i definitely even with the breastfeeding as well mm. i would have given up if i hadn't gone into the breastfeeding i i would honestly recommend the breastfeeding class 100 percent. i um had stuck in my head i remember the lady saying like it can take like a week even sometimes 10 days for your milk mm. to come in don't freak out your baby's stomach is as big as a marble like you know and then so yeah. I had that in my head in the hospital when I'm thinking oh is she having enough like and if I was going in blind I'd be like oh she's it's not coming in she's not having enough yeah. and, and you know having that in the back of my mind of a sip is enough you know she's only got a small a small tummy and you know it's all natural and normal and that that is what made me push through with the breastfeeding because mm. I understand women you know when you're breastfeeding you don't know how much the baby's getting mm. and that you're thinking oh you know just do I need to feed them again how much more do they need but just having that reassurance and with the latching they go through all the different uh, positions you know I'm I've got quite big boobs so they, you know, would show me what would might be comfortable, like, you know, the football position and yeah. all the different positions. Because if I didn't, I would have just been like, oh, sitting in there and she's not latching and then that's it. So yeah, I might list some resources actually in the show notes of this episode just for women because I definitely would encourage that as well. I didn't do it with either of my children, but with Jesse, I stopped breastfeeding after eight weeks. I found it time-consuming, frustrating. Um, he constantly was going on and off the boob. It was very frustrating, and I didn't. I had, wasn't even doing the lying down to feed mm. option. I didn't even think or mm, know about exactly. that until like I'd gone mm. through it and finished, and then googling had in the middle of the night, and you're yeah. like, "What am I doing?" <laughs> I know, and I just never felt like he was getting enough. And mm. He was always unsettled, so I just, I, I really did give up, and I wish I pushed forward more with him, um, because with Lola, as you know, I just finished a week ago and um, got to the nine months. That's mm-hmm. all I wanted. That was Amazing. my goal. And as soon as I went to nine months, she was clearly over it. Mm-hmm. She was just doing it for mm-hmm. fun, and I was like, "No She's more." Like, I can eat food now. Mm. And so I'm like, "Yes, now mm-hmm. it's time. I can mm-hmm. get the Botox, get the lip yes. fillers, get the boobs. I'm yes. ready." I know. 
it was, uh, it was a long uh, – I breastfed Jazzy for almost nine months too mm. and it was a long, long <laughs> 18 months, that's for sure, with nothing. Oh, my goodness. What, Jess, was your biggest surprise in childbirth? Um, good question. Biggest surprise in childbirth. Um, I guess the, you, the, the, the pain or the contractions, like mm. you just can't explain – uh, that kind of you know you know it's going to be you know it's going to be intense and mm. you're mentally preparing for it mm. um so probably that um and but I was pretty prepared for the the, the birth uh because of going to the parenting classes yeah. you know they were like you might you might stretch you might need to be cut you know all those kind of things like don't worry if you yourself yeah <laughs> it's all normal yeah um all those sort of things because I if I went in there I would have and not knowing you know I would have just been freaking out yeah so I think I I had uh, well I did have an epidural yeah um so did I you make that decision before you went in that that's what you wanted yeah 100 yeah. yeah. so I had a walking epidural so I could still um stand amazing uh, straight after yeah um but yeah no I, once I had that epidural I was it was it was a it was a nice experience I almost labor. wish that I did have it for one of the two preg- uh, birthing of my kids because I'm ne- not going to have another baby and I wish that I just got to experience the other side of that because I didn't each time I made the decision to get it it was too late I think everyone woman does when they're mm. like no I don't want it I don't want mm. it and then like baby's coming out and you're like I want it now <laughs> yeah no I was like every every appointment I went to I'm like have you put on my fire that I wanted to <laughs> and then you know as soon as I got there like the tra- contractions weren't too bad but I was like get the epi because it can take sometimes you know three four hours before they'll be up you know an anaesthetist will be mm. able to get to you to give you one that was our issue with Jesse that they couldn't they were so busy it was um three days before Christmas and we went through the public system and I've been public and private now and I can honestly say I did enjoy the private system a little bit better than public mm. only because I was quite healthy my baby was healthy, so we were quite, you know, mm. at the bottom of the list to be seen. Mm-hmm. So by, by the time the anaesthetist got to me, I was asked to transfer rooms. And by the time I got to the bed, I was like, I'm going to push. Mm. And they're like, oh, can't get that epidural anymore. And I was like, what do you mean? I mm. asked hours ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, anyone that's thinking like they, they want that full um, care, I think I'd encourage them to go through private. It's a very different experience. Mm. I mean, hats off to women that do it without pain relief. But it, uh, to me, I think it's like coming in and getting your lips done and saying you don't want numbing and I'm like why (laughs) (laughs) that's why 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 do you want to feel the pain that's odd (laughs) yeah so look I did feel pain and there was certainly you know the first few hours definitely I was having the full contractions um but then once I did have have the epidural until it came time to actually bear down and push it was a nice experience Mm. So my next question is surrounding postpartum recovery. Mm. Um, for me, it was initially quite shocking. My bodily, body literally was like no longer my own. I felt completely disconnected with this new le- – but at the same time had this new level of love and respect. Um, but there was still a lot of negative energy and thoughts and that inner critic surrounding my reflection. Mm. Did you go through this period, you know, after you did have Jasmine and what was that like for you? Yeah, I think the post, I mean, the birthing classes and the breastfeeding classes were good to get me through that. But it's Mm. like, okay, now what? I'm at home with a baby and, you know, I had quite a lot of bleeding. I bled heavily for six weeks after my iron. Like, I just looked unwell, you know. Mm. And then you're trying to produce milk to feed a baby plus, you know, dealing with all the newborn things and learning Mm. about each other. So, um, 
yeah, it, it, it was a – I think there needs to be more education around that. I mean, I guess you don't – everyone has a different experience and you don't want to scare people, but just letting them know what can happen. Mm. I think we live in a great country where, you know, we, we have the nurses that come out and check on you, check the baby, check the – your suture, like your stitches and everything. So, but, yeah, I yeah went, I went through a really – really blue phase and I also went through a really dark phase um, when I finished breastfeeding and I was scared to be honest like I didn't know what was going on I was really depressed I stopped breastfeeding just before my birthday I was like look I've you know I'm almost at getting to nine months I want to you know stop and you know be able to have a drink and get my Botox and stuff for my birthday she was weaning off it anyway but that was kind of my date Mm. and I had a terrible birthday I was yeah really really blue like I went to the doctors and I I was like I'm just not happy like I remember one day just leaving the house because I was so frustrated and I just had to get out and Dax was in the toilet and I just put Jazzy down and I left the house and he came out and he was he messages me and he's like where are you and I just drove around the corner and was just crying in the park and I just couldn't I just could I didn't know why it was happening and um, when I went to the doctors, they were like, look, you've been fueling this human, you know, pretty much full time for, because I was, expre- even though I went back to work, I was expressing mm. and she was still, you know, she was still having minimum three feeds off me a day. Mm. And then I just cold turkey stopped. Like there was no one told me about, you know, wean and just, you know, go down to one feed. <laughs> I just was like, oh, four feeds a day now, nothing. Because yeah. I was I was almost overproducing and then freezing it in preparation for when I was going off. And then I just thought, oh, you just stop. Yeah. And so the, the the doctor's like, you're not depressed, you're okay, you, you're having a homo- Hormonal reaction. Come down, yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah. They're like, oh, you're, you're having a come down of your good feel-good hormones. Fuck. So, and I was like, how long is this going to last? <laughs> Dax would have been like, yeah, whoa, what's yeah, going on with yeah. my wife? But there was just no education around weaning or, you know. Interesting. Yeah, people just like, oh, just when they're ready or, you know. And she was, she was eating and, you know, it was it was fine. But, um, yeah, I, I really struggled after breast like the, the whole journey I mean it was rewarding but um yeah the the coming off was was really hard wow. and I wasn't expecting it well thank you for sharing that because I that's the first time that I've heard a, an experience like that um with Lola we she was feeding went down to like one feed a mm. day so it was pretty easy to, to finish it and it's interesting because I still um is it called colostrum yeah I still have that yeah. so like it's been a week now everything's dried up Mm -hmm. and I've still got a little bit there Mm -hmm. but it's like a change it's like yellow it's not Mm -hmm. even white anymore which Mm -hmm. is super bizarre to me Mm -hmm. I'm like how quickly it can just change and I felt like when I had Lola and that over the last nine months I've a lot of I've said this to a lot of friends I feel like I love her more than Jessie and that sounds so bad but I felt so connected to her Mm -hmm. and it wasn't a few months in I was like why do I love her more but I don't love her more it's just that I was breast the hormones and and I was yeah. breastfeeding all the time and those feel-good hormones re- and that bonding mm-hmm. experience was at longer periods too. Like because they're a little bit older by six, you know, seven months, they're looking up at you and they're playing with your hands and they're looking it's in your eyes. It's, it's a different bonding experience. Um, not, However, bottle-fed, i done the same with Jessie and bottle-feeding mm-hmm. is beautiful as well. It was just that I hadn't had what I had with Lola mm-hmm. before. So I think – and I've noticed that – shift automatically as soon as I've stopped it's like those hormones gone Mm -hmm. (laughs) love them the same now which is nice (laughs) Jazzy and I I mean obviously we're 
was still um, close, but now she's a daddy's girl. But before, mm. <laughs> she's like, I don't need you anymore. Oh. And I, I think that's where, yeah, I would definitely, you know, next time, you know, look at weaning. I was, even though she was having a meal, I was still expressing. Mm. So even though I physically, you know, and she, then she'd have it as a, out of a bottle. So I wasn't, I was still producing mass amount, not mm. that I was always giving it to her. And then I just cold turkey. And I think, yeah, really messed me up mentally mm. and I, I was yeah I was like I'm um, you know uh, it, and it was hard having a baby over COVID like the the day that she was born two weeks later we went into a full lockdown and you couldn't have any visitors you couldn't eat like but basically if you were going to visit someone you had to be their primary carer and you had to have a note so even like for my mum to come over like you know she would come over and she'd have to have like a note from the doctor saying she's visiting like her newborn but even then like it was yeah so we were just there was no play groups or you know mother's groups or so mm. we were very isolated in that sense and and we're lucky to live in a world where we have google and social media and netflix and all those sorts of things yeah Yeah, totally but even for advice you know because you can't go to mother's groups and so you know i'm googling and youtubing and you know the regressions and and the cluster feeding you know like you said jesse was going off and on off and on and they Mm. tell you in breastfeeding class that that's normal because that's how they bring the milk in the same i i used to get frustrated i used to be like she's on me all day and you know it's hard Mm. to handle Mm. So, yeah, big journey. Yeah, well, just to close out the parenting and motherhood chat before we digress into some details on Botox and boobs and all those sorts of things, Mm. um, what, Jess, would be your biggest challenge in parenthood, do you think? I think um, daily you always – I feel like you just have this mother's guilt. It's a real Mm. thing. Like, you know, I love going – I love going to work. I love going to work, um, but then you feel guilty about going to work. Um, But, you know, she's loving daycare. She's learning so much. They do so much with her. Um, But, yeah, you just constantly, you know, did I stop breastfeeding too soon? You know, know, if she gets a little sniffle, did I not dress her in the right thing? Was she not warm enough? Like, Mm. it's just that that mother's guilt that you – that yeah you I wasn't prepared for and I also think you just take advantage of like the time that you have Mm -hmm. you know with just with anything like I love spending time with her but you I have to literally be like now's the time I can go to the toilet you know what I mean a hundred percent like you have to think about when you're gonna eat when you're gonna go to the toilet like everything's planned yeah and you think like yeah sleep is non yeah no we've (laughs) both this week but yeah yeah, just like little things that you take for um granted yeah no I definitely resonate with that and I know a lot of other mums will too I personally have struggled with the fact that I'm never alone anymore I really Mm. took for granted the time Mm. I had alone and when I was um living on my own um in the city in Newcastle for a couple of years I remember I constantly felt or I would tell myself I'm I'm so lonely I feel Mm. so bored like Mm. I always had to be doing something because I'm like I'm always on my own it sucks I wish I just had you know a husband I wish I had kids 100%. like I was you know and I took that for granted because yeah. now I'm like for fuck's sake me I just want to have a shower guys I like know. let me do my thing just enjoying your house like you know being still you just aren't still ever like no and you just have to and I think people struggle with it like I've come I like a clean house but you know you're forever cleaning and that's your new life now so mm. instead of getting like upset about it and frustrated it's just like this is your new normal yeah, and I saw a discussion Steve and I have had uh, over the last couple of weeks is me feeling like I, over the last probably 12 months and, and since having Lola, I've really resisted diving full throttle into mum 
life I've really wanted to find my own purpose mm-hmm. and in particular with this podcast I feel driven and aligned with it and I am this pull to keep working on it and I'm going to keep doing those things but I've also in in that turn been pushing and resisting the motherhood gig as a full-time mom mm. um, and we had a talk over the last couple of weeks and I was like you know what I have to surrender and lean into the idea that this motherhood gig for the next at least two years mm is my role it's your job it is my job and I know that I want to succeed in any job that I do and I need to start looking at it from that perspective mm-hmm. that this is my job and I'm going to nail it and I'm going to get you know Jesse in swimming lessons we went for a little while and then I put him out and now I'm just like oh it was so annoying do I have to do it mm-hmm. but now I'm like nope Jesse and Lola are doing swimming lessons the girls are in gymnastics and crossfit and netball and soccer and I'm going to be a full-blown mm-hmm. sports mom mm-hmm. but I know that I can do really well. Moulding our future. You're yeah. Moulding our future generation. <laughs> that is a big job. It is. It is. And I don't want to resist it anymore. Mm. I'm, I want to lean into it and surrender to it and give my kids the best pop- possible upbringing that I can. Um, because, yeah, even though it's hard at the moment, you know, I'll be tired for the next few years. Who gives a shit? I'm tired Honestly, and I think, you know, hats off to all the stay-at-home mums, all the mums, whatever you're doing, because... Honestly, when I go to work, it's busy and it's chaotic, but I can decide when I'm going to go to the toilet. I can decide <laughs> when I eat. It's more of a break than being home. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's not like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, oh, good, I can go to work, you know. Yes. Yeah, so just sitting and reading my emails and, you know, not having someone climbing on you. <sighs> so and nice. Yeah, so when I, you know, I have a few friends and I even get women DMing me and um, saying like oh it's so nice to see how Dax supports you and you know my my husband thinks that you know I just stay at home and don't do anything and I'm like staying at home is the harder option like yeah. being with your kids full time as much as you want to do that and it's rewarding and you love it mm. it's not just like you're just at home like you know mm. having your best life like when your kids aren't happy and you can't do anything to make them happy you feel like your self-worth is there's nothing there you know when when jazzy gets a little bit sick and i can't make her better for me i'm like you know what am i doing wrong and if that's just constantly yeah every day and cleaning up after a little human and running around after a little human that is hard work that is and they're always throwing tantrums and mm. they're always unsatisfied and you know you could take them like i was watching um someone on instagram a friend of mine courtney mccarty this week she took her two kids to um sea world and i was like that's awesome i wish i lived on the goldie to take my kids to see what it's just like a fun park thing to do and she said that it ended up just being horrible because yeah a nightmare yeah. and i was like it yeah. Like I remember I made the massive effort of taking Jesse like to three parks in one day and we done all this stuff and he was an asshole at the end of the mm, day. Mm, you know, mm. I didn't think about that he, he needed to regulate he and cool down and, and, you know, go into settle down mode before he went to bed. I was like, okay, you've had a great day, be thankful. Yeah. And I sort of forgot he's a baby exactly. and they can't say thank you. <laughs> and I think what we both do really well is we share where, you know, I would look on Instagram or wherever and be like, oh, this person has the perfect life and doesn't mm. this look good. But, you know, no one really tells you. And that's why I was open about my breastfeeding journey and how emotional I was and you know if she's not sleeping I'm not doing that for pity I'm doing it to normalize yeah so that when my friend has a baby and she thinks what's wrong with my baby it's not sleeping there's nothing wrong with your baby it's just a baby yeah but I feel like it's you know more people will be like oh my kid slept 12 hours and you know then you feel guilty like you're doing something wrong you're not doing anything wrong yeah and you know we need to normalize that yeah I absolutely agree and that's it makes me think about my return to fitness in my postpartum recovery a lot of a lot a lot of people said you know oh my god I don't know how you do it sort of thing and I want to normalize that like yes you can return to fitness mm. after you have a baby and you can 
you know, just because I, I might train really, really hard and I'm, I'm not anywhere near what I was before I had kids and I know that but it's not a race and I'm I don't need to be good uh, (laughs) thanks babe um but like I can this this conversation needs to be normalized and more women need to know that it's okay Mm. to return and focus on your health Mm. and your health is your wealth and in turn that's going to make your family healthy Mm. and going to make them respect you you more yeah a hundred percent could not agree more I think you need to have whatever you want to do if it's just go for a drive have an hour go for have a coffee do your workout you need that time to yourself even if it's just 20 minutes half an hour 10 minutes you just need that time where you can say i've done something for myself for the day a hundred percent whatever you see as Mm -hmm. self-care or a form of Mm self-love do it Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be what the next person sees it as you know that could be a walk that could be going to see your cosmetic surgeon Mm -hmm. that could be whatever you want it to be and i think we just also need to stop this Mm. comparing game Mm. with others on social media like oh she gets to meditate and do this and do this and do this every morning before her kid wakes up it's unrealistic for that to be year round that we get to live a life like Mm -hmm. that and we need to do what works for our family Mm -hmm. and manage our time what's best suited to our personal lives Mm -hmm. and the people in our Mm -hmm. life not Mm -hmm. what other people are putting on their social media as you know their highlight exactly i mean even i even find my mood if like you know sometimes it's hard when you haven't slept and your baby's been up all night but i do so much better if i just go for even a 30 minute walk and mm. i come back i'm fresh i've had my own time and i'm mentally prepared to get through whatever the little baby throws at me that day <laughs> yeah i feel that so we put up on instagram a little sticker box just to see if there was anybody that had some questions for jess now whilst this is not coming from being a professional surgeon mm-hmm. or anything this is just coming from jess and her mm-hmm. knowledge and mm-hmm. working in the industry um so for anyone listening please make sure that you go and seek professional advice mm-hmm. if you are 100%. looking at cha- you know making any of these procedural mm-hmm. changes but i'll just fire them off to you please. and answer them if you can sure. So, can you have Botox while breastfeeding? And if not, why? No, unfortunately, you can't. Um, it just hasn't been tested because no one wants to test things on pregnant ladies. So no. No. I'm, I'm, look, you know, it, it's a toxin, so it's paralysing your muscles. Um, so, yeah, it's just something that they haven't tested. They, they don't know if it's... It, it would even do anything but no one's no pregnant ladies have put their hands up and say just test it on me and hope for the best so there hasn't Goodness. been enough research on it so they just say not to do it okay and how long should i wait after having a baby to get lip filler uh straight away <laughs> today <laughs> no, no. uh, uh so if you're breastfeeding you uh, you can't have fillers um but if you and it's not really the numbing the topical the um the numbing that you get they they don't want you doing that when you're breastfeeding but basically wait to your immune system let, let your body heal from having mm. a baby so i'd say you know safe after a month mm. mm-hmm. um next one is i want a breast reduction because of my shoulders and back can this be covered by medicare Yeah, so if you're getting a neck and shoulder pain from your large breast, you can definitely get a rebate from Medicare. It's a small rebate, but look, something's better than nothing. So if you're in a... So a breast reduction is classed as um, a medical procedure because women do suffer for neck and shoulder pain. So if you're in a health fund, your health fund will cover the hospital fees and give you a rebate of the surgeon fees and then Medicare comes to the table a little bit on that as well. That's super interesting to know. I know a lot of women who suffer with neck and shoulder pain from... um, um, from having bigger yeah. breasts so that's good to know they're still in out of pocket but if you if you are in a health fund it, it does reduce the, the price which is good awesome um my next question is i want a boob lift can i do this before i have babies and what would you encourage 
Yeah, look, um, I've had plenty of women have implants, have breast lifts and go on to have babies and be able to breastfeed perfectly fine. I think, though, um, if you are planning on having babies and you're in a relationship and you're married, I'd say wait. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when girls come in and they're in their 20s and, you know, they're, 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 they're eventually going to have babies, that's fine. But if they're on, on the cards and, you know, quite soon in that kind of year to two year mark I would say just leave it Mm. because I mean women some women that have never had their boobs done can't breastfeed right we know that so I think then if you then do your lift are you then going to get guilty if you can't breastfeed and think it's because of that Mm. so I would just say put it off if you're if it's we say if you're thinking of getting pregnant in the next 12 months don't have it Um, but I would say yeah uh, 12 to 18 months um, if you're thinking babies I would say wait till after that's good to know. But yeah, my, my, I mean, my receptionist, she had two kids, thought she would never have any more kids. And then so she had a breast lift, tummy tuck, and then surprise, oh, uh, wow. another one. Um, and she still was able to breastfeed. How does a tummy tuck affect you? your pregnancy again so she had a, it was years years apart so right. we would say you know definitely not between uh, after having a tummy tuck from 12 to 18 months after let your body recover from it um and so yeah she bounced back so it, it it depends on you know how big your baby is do you get muscles muscle separation how much skin is there how much skin is removed how much weight you put on in the pregnancy it's like how long is a piece of string yep. you know women say to me are my breasts going to be okay if i get pregnant and i'm like Maybe if you put on 8 to 10 kilos, but some women put on 30 and that's fine. But, of course, if you're going to put on 30 kilos, that's going to impact your breasts or your tummy, yeah. you know. so mm. It's interesting perspective. Like you don't, you know, as, a, as the, on the other side, like without the info and uneducated as myself, I'm kind of like thinking there's these people asking the questions. I'm like, oh, yeah, I wonder. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good to ask these to you. And, and look, another thing is a lot of women um, have muscle separation. So even with one big baby, your muscles can separate and no amount of exercise is going to bring them back together. Mm-hmm. Once they've split and separated, you need them sewn back together. So when you have a baby, the your muscles weaken, but if you've had a big baby or multiple babies, they can split and you're just, you know, you're not, ever going to be able no matter how many sit-ups you do um and not going to bring them back together and like I am so surprised every day when I when you know the surgeons say oh you've got a six centimeter muscle separation that's why your belly protrudes out like a pot belly because your muscles have weakened you know Mm. everything's protruding forward and they cry and they're like I just thought my belly was big and I didn't know what was going on and I just do all this sit-ups and you know it never changes how do you find that out do you have to get like x-rays or like how do they figure that out So you can get an x-ray but that normally your gp or obviously the surgeons can just tell they feel your belly and they can feel that your muscles aren't together and like yeah some people will have like a three centimeter separation some people have a six meter separation centimeter meter (laughs) uh, separation and then the tummy tuck obviously gets rid of loose skin but i would say 20 percent or yeah around 20 percent of the women that we do only have it done not to address the actual skin but to address the muscle separation okay interesting Mm. next question is is it true every 10 years you have to get new implants 
Good question. So um, I guess it's like owning a car. What, how, if you're driving a car to and from work every day, parking it in a garage, you're going to get a lot longer out of that car than someone that's taking it, you know, down to Sydney every day, forward driving on the beach, you know, letting it get hail damage, all of those things. Mm. So it just same with your implants. So if you are getting them done early on, like in your uh, 20s, and then, um, you know, you have kids and you'll have weight changes or, you know, women go through menopause, all that will affect your body. Um, so, you know, uh, we, we see women um, in their 60s and they're having them out and replacing. They've left them in 30 years. And do I recommend or do we recommend you leave them in for 30 years? No. Um, but we say after 10, just keep an eye on them. But it doesn't necessarily mean if everything's intact and looking good that you need. It's like going to the mechanic and getting a service that you need to have anything done to your car and the same with your breasts but if you've had three pregnancies in that time you know you you might think oh I want to go a bit smaller or I want to go a bit bigger and so most of the time it's changing them for those reasons rather than there's something wrong with the implant okay interesting too all of this is super interesting <laughs> um next question I lost weight and got implants why do I now have a bubble under my boobs Good question. Um, definitely go back to your surgeon or, um, you know, see your GPs. It, there can be a um, few different things as to why you may have a bubble. I mean, I haven't seen any photos or anything. So sometimes if your implant hasn't dropped into your fold properly, you get that double bubble so it's like a line where your end of your implant sits but then you still have a fold of skin underneath and then that's what we call a double bubble um but yeah I definitely you know I mean we say in our clinic we don't comment on anything like shape size or symmetry for that three months because you're you know what you get when you wake up versus what we see at six months is completely different because your body needs time to heal your muscle you know your implants drop they're continuing to change and my girlfriends um maybe like five years ago or something um, I was quite close with her and she had her breast implants done and I remember the couple of days after that she was just in shock at because she was so swollen and she just was like and heavy and sick after a couple of months she fell in love with them and was stoked that she had them done now I've got one more question I'm hoping that you can uh, shed a bit of light on what is the smallest least noticeable amount of Botox I can have my husband would hate to know I have it and he's told me it's really unattractive but I really want to try it so you can have really subtle changes with um, Botox or any wrinkle injections. You don't, I think people think, oh, you have to be frozen and it all looks so fake. There would be so many people that you would know that you wouldn't even think that has it. Um, yeah, not everyone has to go f for that frozen look. You can do really nice subtle changes with your um, injecting. You can... Uh, soften lines rather than freezing them you know soften the frown lines rather than having no frown um, you can do little lip flip you can um, do a, a eyebrow lift uh, and it's just very very subtle so you still have movement but just really slight changes it would you know if you did like the brow lift I mean, you could just tell him you shaped your eyebrows differently or, you know, <laughs> you could get away with it, I feel. Yeah, and I feel like as, you know, maybe from the hubby's perspective, it's just the idea of it that scares mm. him and all he knows about it is what he's exposed to, which is likely, you know, the Kardashians or, you know, all of these botched uh, TV reality yeah. series and things like that. However, I will say that I'm all about the Chris, Ch 
Chris Jenner life. And if I look as good as her at her age, mate, I will. I'm gonna get the Botox because I like it frozen. It's like preserve this as much as you can. (laughs) The ice queen. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I love that. No, that's really helpful. And hopefully, those few questions that you guys sent through uh, were answered. Thank you, Jess, for answering those. Um, Thank you for coming over today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun catching up um, and dealing with our little ones. It's been a bit of a challenge, but we got through it. I know, right? But we wanted to share this conversation. We excuse Jesse in the background. We both knew how important it was that girls don't feel any shame or judgment surrounding getting these things done to make themselves really good about themselves. Um, in particular, mums and things. I know that we don't make enough time for ourselves. So hopefully, a mum listening is encouraged to go and do whatever the hell she wants to do. Mm, the other thing I didn't mention that I just thought about is that if you are thinking about wanting to do something but you're not sure you can always book a um, simulation at our work and basically what that does is show you potentially what you'll look like before committing to the surgery so amazing you wanted to see yourself with a breast lift or implants we have a simulation machine um, and you can book in for one of those before seeing the surgeon just to see if that's something you want to do so cool i think i'm gonna do that love that come in have one done yep so good i'll put jess's uh work details in the show notes of this episode as well so go on over to them and make a booking if you're looking at getting anything done now before you guys go I do want to quickly share with you something exciting I have been working on a secret little project and I will be gifting it to you really soon now there is a catch for you to receive this gift I need you to jump on over to my website and subscribe with your email address it will come to you via newsletter in your inbox really soon so the website is www.insideoutwithchris.com.au subscribe with your email and you will have a gift in your inbox really, really soon. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Inside Out. I really want to grow in this space and make sure these stories and experiences are heard. If this episode resonated with you, I would love to hear from you. Please leave me a review and hit subscribe to ensure you don't miss our next conversation. Please also join me on Instagram and let me know what you thought about this episode at Inside Out with Chris. I can't wait to share more with you really soon.